This is Air Commander Starscream, and you are listening to Half Measures. Uh, Half Measures? Sounds like Megatron's battle strategy. <laughs> Welcome to episode 78 of Half Measures, where not even a full country lockdown is enough to stop us from podcasting. If anything, it makes it easier, I think. Uh, and joining me in my bubble is my co-host, Dan Whiting. Kia ora, Dan. I trust you're all fully locked down and safe. Kia ora, Paul. Um, I don't like to think of myself in your bubble. No. That, that, that's too much for me. No, I don't. I'm like in my own bubble but our bubbles through the wonders of technology are looking at each other. Yeah, that's that's enough for me. I'm I'm happy with that too. It's um yeah, so it's a couple of days here in New Zealand, whole country lockdown. It's like it's like being back, you know, just over a year ago. It's it feels weird, right? I think what's kind of uh, bittersweet about lockdown, obviously, not great for business and not great for people's well-being and health. But the Half Mishes podcast was born out of COVID. Like we. We've got so much origins in when um, COVID first started around the world and then when New Zealand went into its first lockdown, that's truly when we said, let's go weekly. Let's right. do this podcast for real. And look at us now. That's right. 78 episodes in. Amazing. To think back that we used to do this face-to-face in a room um, ad hoc and then all of a sudden COVID made us go online and go weekly. It's like we've come full circle. So, yeah, it's good. Um, on that note, Dan... Uh, I wonder if you'd be so good as to tell everyone what you've been watching this week. Well, my friend, I have been watching a couple of things. The first thing that I've started is the new Disney Plus uh, TV show. It's a Marvel series called What If. So this is a new animated series. Um, and basically what it is, it's it sort of explores pivotal moments in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and turns them on their head by um, leading the audience into uncharted territory. And so they're basically dropping an episode a week at this point. And the first episode basically is about uh, Peggy Carter, who some of you may know, her becoming uh, Captain America, or not because she's British, um, but taking on basically that that mantle. Um and the impact that it has on the Marvel Universe. And it's all just from a – what's really cool about this whole What If series, and this is, this is based on a, on a comic book, is it takes characters that you love and it just sort of shows the different impact on the universe, different things that would happen to different characters. So, for example, in this series, Steve Rogers – who is uh, Captain America as we know him, he actually ends up taking on more of a kind of Iron Man type role. And it's it's just cool to see how this plays out. One of the greatest things, though, about this uh, animated series is they have got, looking at the, the, the cast list, they've got all the original actors from the MCU universe involved in this. <clears throat> Samuel Jackson, Jeremy Renner, Dominic Cooper, Stanley Tucci. Like, it's so, it's like no expense has been spared. And it's just a, a really fun little, like, bookended adventure if you know your Marvel Universe. It's incredible. I, I was literally just looking at the cast and thinking, oh, it's, 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 it's the real deal. And, you know, sometimes people who know that I'm a Star Wars fan will say to me, there's too much Star Wars. They're making too many series. You don't need it all. And now I'm sitting here going, when you said, oh, it's a new Marvel, I was like, what? How can, how can they keep doing these things? But they've gone in a different direction. They've gone animated. I was just watching the trailers you were talking. I love that animated style. It's, I mean, for fans of this universe, it must just be Christmas. Yeah, definitely. And so what's really great about it is so um, Captain Carter is just like, it's so action-packed. And this is a great way where they've really sort of, they hold no punches. Like Captain Carter's in there. She's fighting Nazis. She's fighting the Hydra. She's, you know, knocking heads together. She's getting involved in these pretty epic fights. And it's it's such a well-put-together animated show. And I believe next week's episode is going to be about T'Challa um, becoming a becoming Star-Lord, I think. So that's obviously bringing together Black Panther versus uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. So, look, I think just a, a fun way to sit down, have a 30-minute kind of take on a, a slightly different um, series of events. I love it. And as always, Dan, keeping us current in the top 1,000 IMDb popularity, this is number one. 
I'm there for you, Paul. That's what I'm, I like. I'm all about the mainstream. Mm-hmm. The next thing that I've been watching, so this is over on uh, one of our favorite pl- platforms here on the pod, uh, on Neon, a show called Mr. In Between. And if you've been a, a long time listener of the Half Measures podcast, you'll know that I've been raving about this TV show for a very long time. So this is the third and final season that's just come out. And what's really great about this show is each episode's about 20, 25 minutes long, and it's just such a great watch. So I'll just give you a little bit of a synopsis um, about the 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 universe, I guess, and then the story. So this is set in Australia, and it's about a guy who we refer to as Mr. In-Between, and he basically plays a, like he's a father, he's an ex-husband, he's a boyfriend, he's a best friend, and he has to juggle all of these different sort of personalities while at the same time being a, a criminal for hire. And it's just like if you've ever watched any of those like Australian TV shows like Underbelly or and they sort of talk about like gangs and the sort of the criminal underworld in, in Australia, it's so good. And the main character, Ray, is such a like he's such a badass. Like at one minute he's like picking up his kid from school or, you know, going on a date. That but if anyone tries to cross him, he will He's like Mike from Breaking Bad. Yep. He will destroy you. And he's just such a, like, he seems so every day, but he's a, he's a real badass. And I've just loved the show from the very first episode. I'm kind of sad that it's finished, but it it's a, a beautifully told three-season story. 26 episodes looks really achievable if I want to get in on this. The poster is brilliant. The face expression, the attitude really says it all. Uh, I... I saw this was advertised and I knew instantly you were jumping on it. This takes me back to one of our very first or second podcasts where we we talked about our our shows from 2019 and this was one of them for you. And it's it's right up your alley. If if I'm always about the the British cop dramas, you are always about the those those criminal elements that are coming together in a real bad way. And I, I like the look of it. I think another a really great sort of trait of this guy is he truly is just a, a criminal for hire. And he's kind of like a he's a Winston Wolf. He's a um Ray Donovan. He's a whatever your problem is, I'll solve it for the right amount of money. And what your problem is can be anything from you need some missing cocaine back, you need someone to get a beat down, you need someone, you know, taken out, you need a, a body removed, he'll do it. And it's like there's no sort of bridge too far. And the, the fact that it's all just interwoven with his complicated life of, you know, being separated from his wife, just dealing with his daughter growing up and trying to understand what he does. He's kind of got these mates that kind of get involved in trouble every now and again. People trying to recruit him into various sort of gangs and organizations and he's just like he's just a independent unit and it's fantastic and created by scott ryan the main star scott ryan i mean brilliant it's not often you see that yeah that's right and i think you know you the show has really grown over the three seasons and you know scott ryan's sort of been on record of saying he he's even noticed it in, and i think in the storytelling and the acting of of how they've sort of all been on a journey and finishing at season three was kind of the the natural end to the story and the way it ends kind of leaves leaves it open for interpretation but it's also one of those fantastic endings where you can kind of create your own ending for for this story, and it's one that you know you could talk about and all have different theories about. It, it's it's a lot of fun. Uh, so it's got season two and season three is currently available on Neon in New Zealand. Nice. I'm definitely going to add this to the list. As I say, 26 episodes is easily done, and you've really sold it well. I like it. Great, great, great. Uh, the other thing that I've watched, um, speaking of a dark and mysterious, is I have watched another movie on, this is a movie on um, iTunes. It's a movie that came out in 2020 called Promising Young Woman. So this is about a, a young woman who's traumatized by a tragic event in her past and she seeks out vengeance against those who crossed her path. It's actually um, written by one of the writers of uh, Killing Eve. So if you like that, you know, we're, we're big fans of Killing Eve and sort of the, the the tone of that show. So basically the, the premise here is um, the main character's friend um, was basically assaulted and um, 
and, and later died. And she sort of sets herself up as this this character, Cassandra, who goes out into nightclubs and, and bars at night and pretends to be completely, you know, intoxicated and drunk and and basically what happens is nice guys come and try and sort of like take her home and take advantage. And then she basically switches into like a, a kill bill mode and is like, I'm not drunk and normally sort of ends up causing a, a, a little bit of damage. But it's it's more a movie about the, the the trauma that she kind of carries from losing her friend, the kind of really uncomfortable environment of, you know, all these guys sort of trying to hit on her and trying to be nice guys, her trying to get redemption for what happened to her friend. And it's it's honestly it's one of the the greatest movies that I've watched this year. It's a hell of a lot of fun. That's a real good sell. As soon as you said the the Kill Bill type, um, it's a really interesting premise. Um, I think thriller as well. Carrie Mulligan is real good. The support cast all looks real good. Alison Brie, Clancy Brown. Uh, I could be keen. I wonder if I can find this anywhere other than iTunes. We'll have to have a look. You can probably find it on uh, whatever Google movies or whatever you um you android folk use but um carrie mulligan um i'm a big fan she uh was one of the the lead actresses in the drive movie um which is another one of my favorite movies so this movie i think you know kill bill vibes without the violence but i think it's still quite a a dark and and twisted movie and i think if you like killing eve this is a hundred percent a movie you should be watching um it's just a a lot of fun there's great banter some great one-liners um and and a good story that really leaves you thinking great well as one of those android people i i found that i can actually rent this one on neon so i I might give it a go because uh again it's a it's a real tempter there you go. And apart from that, I've just been continuing on with Modern Family. I'm just about finished season four. Still absolutely loving the show as a as a palate cleanser. Sometimes I'll find like on a Saturday night, I could check on an episode and next minute I've watched kind of four or five of them. They're just a lot of fun. I'm having some great laughs at some of the, the long-term humor. It's, it's a good one. Awesome. Whenever we post online or the social media manager posts online about modern family you know that you're talking about everyone's on board everyone that gets so much attention that show it's really well loved and that paul is uh me for this week awesome awesome i was just looking as you were talking again at uh emerald fennel the writer uh, of promising a woman she's also i've seen her in so many things she played camilla packer bowls in in the crown she's really 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 talented as a, as a writer and an actress by looks but so double sold uh so you know i set myself up i guess in terms of you know my my typical type this week then i watched a six-part british bbc irish rto rte sorry produced uh thriller called um smother and uh the, the basic synopsis for this one is uh, on the rugged coast of County Clare, uh, Val's husband is found dead at the foot of the cliff the morning after a family party and the matriarch starts to dig into the family secrets to find out who might be responsible. So I will stay spoiler free. I don't think there's any need to mention any specifics just in case you decide to go watch it with anyone else. But I will say this is really good. It's a definite recommendation for anyone who loves these kinds of series. I would, I'd probably rate it as highly as I did Dublin murders a few weeks ago to give that rating some context in terms of sort of um, those sort of Irish shows. It felt a little bit like a, a little bit like an Irish broad church in some respects. I mean, not, not just because it's the the BBC and someone winds up at the bottom of a cliff, but um, trying to sort of you know one of those who done it type things. It's um, it's really good, and as you'd expect um, with with BBC dramas, you know the top quality production, the writing, the casting, the directing. It's just the full package in that respect. And yeah, it's uh, it's been a while since I would say I've seen an, an Irish drama done quite like this, and I think the setting on this this coast and the accents and just the general way these people are living their their lives in this small town is uh, is really fascinating watch. That sounds right up your alley, Paul. Um, I 
I don't know any of the sort of um, main cast and crew from here, but I'm I'm imagining as a as a veteran of these type of TV shows, there might have been some familiar names. Yeah, so the main star who plays the mum, Dervla Kerwin, I mean, she's she's been around in a few things for a long time. I remember watching her in Ballycus Angel back in the 90s at university. Um, but no, I'm the same. Everyone else was was new to me. What's fascinating is as I look at these types of shows and what I'm watching, I'm like, this is exactly what my dad would have been watching when I was like paddying back in like, you know, the 90s. So it's, I'm clearly turning into my my parents in that regard but um no it's it is really good my biggest criticism is probably that there were a few stories where i was left thinking well what was the point in that there was no resolution and i guess that's kind of how these mini series work because you know you set up a whole bunch of different threads and personal motives and reasons as to oh maybe it was her maybe he did it and then of course when the when the story unfolds you sort of you sort of you, you know who it is. The only thing is, I will say they have confirmed a second series, and so maybe they'll. Um, that's going in early twenty twenty two. Maybe they'll they'll take an angle where they they follow on some of those stories there. But uh, really good six episodes, not not too rushed, not too dragged out. So um, difficult to predict as well. Even my you know my wife uh, DCI Kanawa, she 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 hadn't picked who the who the murderer was and she's normally pretty sharp and normally gets it within the first 15 seconds so so yeah so that's smother and that's available here in new zealand on tvnz on demand very good and the other thing i wanted to talk about this week um so this week uh, marked what would have been the 100th birthday of the man who created star trek gene roddenberry and so that's pretty significant for me as a kid growing up, I think, particularly as a teenager, you know, I can em- emphasize how much that show influenced me right through my years at uni. Um, Star Trek was always the heart of it. So this centennial birthday I wanted to acknowledge. And so I decided to do a bit of a rewatch and it felt only right to go back and watch The Cage, which is the 1966 uh, un- originally unaired pilot, um, which was eventually released many, many years later to celebrate the 20th anniversary. So, this is a this is where it all started. Dan, uh, is this something you've ever seen before or not? So yes, I have watched the cage. This was when I when I was sort of going on my Star Trek journey uh, several episodes ago and watched all the movies and got into the TV show. I dare I say it, accidentally watched this move, this episode uh, of The Cage as it was sort of on, it was on Netflix as the, as a sort of the starting point. So yeah. I'm all over it. Yeah. And uh, you use the word movie and in some respects, it, it is a bit like that as it's released as sort of like a double episode feature. It is that sort of movie length and it's just, just going back and watching it was extraordinary. It's amazing to think only one K, uh, one cage, one character came out of the cage, uh, to actually make it into the actual series. And of course that was Spock who has gone on to be like the most recognizable character of all time. But it was a shame that the others didn't get to play a, a part in the, in the series, but it was, it's, it's just so iconic. Everything just watching it, um, just, just felt the sound of the planet, the sound of the beaming down, the theme music, the incidental music, um, the Talosians, the aliens. It's great. And and whilst the only character, Spock, you know, that survived, there was so much more that was kept for what became the series in terms of the ship design, the name, the bridge is essentially the same, the transporter, the the shuttles. It's just a real good go back and watch if you're if you haven't seen it for a long time. As I say, it was simply because it was the hundredth the hundredth centennial birthday and I, I can't explain it, but I just find watching stuff like this so centering and so grounding to watch. It's like when I was watching the old black and white flash Gordon a few months ago, just, I just feel like making TV shows back, back in these days must have been such hard work and so rewarding. I would have loved to have been in amongst those pioneer days, but um, yeah, watching stuff like this, always inspires me then to go looking for more 60s and 70s sci-fi shows and movies so so who knows what i'll find in the coming weeks great times and yeah it's a a great milestone so good to be able to bring that all sort of back together bring all those memories into a bit of a, a group yeah and just one other thing i mentioned is um 
55 years later, we now have a series coming out later this year or, or early next year called Strange New Worlds, which is all about the characters that didn't make it through. So Captain Pike, uh, number one, uh, Spock is in it as well. But actually, we've got a series based purely on this pilot coming out uh, later on, I think on Netflix, if not Amazon. No, I think Netflix. Um, so that's, that's going to be great. Um, and we've got more Star Trek coming too. I've always thought of uh, Pike as a bit of a badass, mostly from the uh, the J.J. Abrams movies, but yeah. be an awesome character to find out some more about. Indeed. And of course, we've got more Star Trek because we've got Lower Decks Season 2 is dropping weekly episodes on Amazon Prime. First episode came out this week. I have watched it. I did laugh a lot, but I think rather than... I haven't got enough to sort of talk about it week in, week out. I'll probably just watch all 10 and then I'll I'll give a season two review in, in mid-October when it's all finished. Um, so yeah, so those are the, the, the two things I wanted to talk about this week, other than the things we have watched together. All right, shall we jump on into the final episode of The Bad Batch? Yeah, episode 16. As Topoka City Falls, the Bad Batch must figure out a way to survive and reckon with the choices of their former squad rate and brother, aka Scopes. Uh, yeah, I am. Um, I thought. Look, I thought this was a good episode. I thought it. I didn't feel like it was a great finale. Um, it was a good finale. I'm coming in a little bit negative, I know, but it didn't quite do enough for me as a finale because when I looked at the story and I looked at what the episode told me. Camino was destroyed. We saw that at the end of the last episode anyway. And by the end of this episode, they basically had just got to their ship and escaped. And I just felt like there, there was there was not enough risk for the Batch. None of those four were going to get killed. Um, the Batch were left, you know, they left by themselves and Scopes got left behind, which is exactly where we were before. Um, so nothing new there. And... Yeah, so we got to see the Kamenia, what's it, the Kamenian scientist, whatever, going off to Empire HQ. I I did think this was a good story. I'm just pointing out I just didn't think I had enough in there for me as a finale. What about you? Yeah, I completely agree. This would have been a great um, penultimate episode for me, maybe. Um, I just felt like I wasn't left with a, a cliffhanger or a, oh my God, I can't wait for season two. It was... It was a fairly standard, like it was a good episode, but it was a fairly standard episode, um, I think, of The Bad Batch, where, as you say, none of them were ever really in any danger. And I felt like for the final episode, we spent a lot of time focusing on their uh, escape. Hmm. And I think the the final scenes didn't even give us that that sort of special glimpse into what the future might hold, like apart from sort of, I guess heading us towards the the cloning aspects, um, and I, I saw somewhere I, I'm, I'm as a, a true half measures type way that apparently uh, on one of the, the symbol at the end when they when they reach the cloning base is the same symbol that the Doctor has in um, the Mandalorian. So there's obviously going to be like so I think you know what it feels like to me what they're ultimately going to do is they've got some threads that they can pull right like they can start talking about Snoke they could start talking about Grogu they could start talking about um, the Emperor and to sort of the start trying to sort of bridge together the wider universe but i don't think they're ever going to do it in a way that would exclude the the core movie fans so it's always mm. probably going to be a little bit light touch yeah no that's interesting i hadn't picked up on that um but i can imagine i know exactly the symbol you're thinking of so yeah i would be fascinated to see them put on some of those threads uh the snoke one would be a, a would be a surprise but the emperor one i could i could definitely see i just feel just to give context to my feeling is maybe we've been spoiled i don't know but when i think back to rebels and clone wars we had some amazing finales of then of course we did with the mandalorian and i feel like disney in charge of star wars has, has now got me into a, a routine and i'm like i feel like i'm a dog that is used to getting a treat for a certain type of trigger or behavior and now we're at the end of the season i've received the nice biscuits before and now i'm not getting the nice biscuits so i'm still hungry and that's how i feel and i think that's because you know when the when Scopes decided not to go with the wider Bad Batch and then the Bad Batch just kind of hit, hit it off, I was kind of waiting for that final scene like, 
what are you guys doing? Are you going to go pick up some more missions? Are you, what's your big aha moment? Like you're, you're all back together. Are you kind of putting this at peace? Are you off to go hiding? Like there was no real sort of core, like, like, yeah, just sort of like, this is going to be our driving force in the next season. And to not even have that as a bit of a taster kind of just felt off, which is why I said it didn't, it was a good episode, but it didn't feel like a good final episode. That's it. And if anything, that, that moment at the end where I thought, oh, here we go. I was actually furious when Omega decided to go save that droid because honestly, that is not a sensible decision to be making in that in those circumstances. I don't support that decision. Like uh, there was a, a lot of risk for her to go diving, you know, into the water to get the droid. And in the end, of course, Scopes saves the day. But um, look, overall, you know, here we are at the, the end of the season. You know, I think I, I probably want to finish on a, on a positive. It has been hugely enjoyable after you know a, an amazing pilot and then us not being sure for two or three episodes and then suddenly we're we're completely on board you know this was another well-crafted story they they do go to town with the action in this one and i felt the animation is possibly the best we've seen this season because of the nature of the story and the whole city falling into the ocean we you know you've got that powerful it is a powerful story between um uh, scopes in the batch particularly hunter i would say um but yeah i'm look, i'm i'm gonna miss these weekly bad batch episodes it's been a real good saturday morning routine for me and with no other star wars in rotation right now it feels like it's going to be a long wait for the book of boba fett and the season three of mandalorian so patience dan patience I, I guess I, you know, to also say something positive is I enjoyed, I guess, getting a, you know, a little bit more context from Omega about, I guess, her, her actual age and her situation. And I know that yeah. we started to get a little bit of that in the previous episode, but to kind of understand that, you know, Omega is um, older than the clones. She ages a, a lot slower. So she's actually probably, you know, though she is a, a child in the show, she probably actually has a, a lot of, a lot more maturity and experience, which I think kind of comes through in the episodes, which, you know, sometimes you think of her as a kid, but she's probably, you know, mm. more probably kind of teenage, if, you know, if not early 20s and probably in terms of uh, mentality maybe. Yeah, like like with Boba Fett when we saw him in Attack of the Clones, that sort of that no accelerated growth, unlike the clones and actually living a, a normal child's life but and yet being, as you say, older. That is quite a nice little... Nice little touch, yeah. Good call, good call. Yeah, I'm with you though. It's it's um I've kind of enjoyed having this to watch. I've enjoyed on a Friday night being like, oh yeah, episode of the Bad Batch, and I think there's going to have to be some rewatching of some Star Wars content, um just just to sort of fill the void. You only have to ask once, Dan. I can promise you that, and I will be there for that. Um, so yeah, so that is our our Bad Batch. Uh, review of season one finished um and that whole season is available to watch on disney plus i'm going to call it can you hear that screaming paul i was going to message you just quickly to say do you have an animal trapped in your house and if so what type of animal is it from the start of this podcast there has been some sort of bird screaming outside and it's like it's kind of flying around but it's it's really screeching like not in pain but more like if you stepped outside i may not come back so well stay inside stay safe better not take my wheelie bin <laughs> let's not bring that dilemma back up again indeed indeed oh well, should we move on over to our movie of the week indeed so each week dan and i uh, take it in turns uh, to choose a movie to watch and review together and we post that movie into our discord community uh, ahead of time a week in advance so if you want to join that community you can click on the link in the show notes for this podcast and then join in the chat and see what movie we're going to be reviewing now this week then you've decided just to to join me for a short a short stop on my terminator adventure uh with the 2009 uh fourth terminator movie terminator salvation yeah now this was a uh, this was this was quite an experience paul so in my mind you know thinking back i guess 12 years ago when this movie came out and I think I've probably only seen it maybe once or twice this was a really epic movie in my mind and I really enjoyed all of the sort of core components but watching it today 
I'm not so sure. And I feel like one of the interesting things about this movie is, first of all, absolutely banging cast, Christian Bale, Sam Worthington, Anton Yelchin, Moon Bloodgood, um, Helena Bonham Carter, um, Jada Grace, Common, Bryce Dallas Howard. Like it, This is honestly just like star after star. And I actually feel like they've got all the kind of ingredients to do something epic, but it just doesn't quite completely pull itself off. And I'm going to go out on a limb here. And I'm a real big Christian Bale fan, like full respect to that man. He commits to the craft. He is a, a fantastic actor, but I think he's he's operating on a level 12 and no one else is in this film. And he like he's just so intense and so angry. And he's so, I'm John Connor. Pick me up. <laughs> like he's, it, it, it feels a little bit out of sync with the movie at times. And saying all of these things, I had a good time. But it just maybe wasn't quite as great as I remembered it. Interesting, right? Because I, my context, of course, coming into this was off the back of Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines, which I had said last week, and I stand by still now, is possibly the the worst of this of the six, the least enjoyable. And so what I like about this one is that unlike any of the other five, for me, it feels really different, both, both in terms of the fact that we haven't got Annie. Well, we get that little bit of CGI Annie in this one, don't we? But but also that it's actually set in the future, and we finally get to see this horrific future that all the other movies talk about, and you know have alluded to in in flash forward scenes or from what we heard from from Carries in the first movie. So so I came into it just I was so excited to be in that zone. Um, I also had a good time. It was actually better than I remembered it. And what's funny is Dan because I've got the opposite energy to you there. I also have the opposite energy about Christian Bale. And the the reason for that is because, look, I, th- I thought he was good as John Connor. I mean, following on from, what was his name? Nick Stahl in the third one. I, I feel like he really carries the weight and the intensity uh, of, of the of a character like John Connor. The significance of that character requires. I think he has that. But I felt occasionally, so that impression you did before really reminded me i thought sometimes he went too far i think he let his voice go too gravelly into tones that i think he should have reserved because that's batman and i felt like i was watching batman and i'm like i thought that he and even the director might have picked up on that and and that's what and i think that's what i mean in the sense that like he's He's so intense. And I remember at the time when this movie came out, there was some some audio that was released of Christian Bale losing it at some sound guy or lighting guy who, you know, crossed the set when he was acting because he, you know, it takes him a long time to get into character. And you could hear how, like, how angry and, like, raspy his, his kind of voice was. And I think I'm with you that, like, John Connor is a, is a character that needs grit. But I think... I think Christian Bale leaned in too hard. Mm. I think he needed to sort of bring it back a notch. Yeah, no, I. Yeah, I, that's exactly right. I, I, look, it's it's an interesting one. This as a as a selection for movie of the week, which I think may have raised a, a few eyebrows in our Discord community when we posted it as our movie of the week. Um, I feel like it's a solid choice for a rewatch on this, especially as, as part of that journey. I, I do as well. I um, and I, I think when you mentioned the support cast. Um, they were they were real good, but none of them were quite bringing that same game. But of course, Sam Worthington for me, uh, he's also like because you know we've got Christian Bell who's just come off the back of the the Dark Knight Rises the uh, sorry no the Dark Knight the year before. Sam Worthington this year in two thousand nine has has just come out in Avatar, which of course he was essentially the lead in. So, and I can't think of anything else I've seen him in. So I feel like this is like almost like a peak for him, but. He was good. Um, the, the rest of the support cast were all good. No one stuck out in terms of giving an ultimate performance. Michael Ironside was quite enjoyable to see. You don't get to see much of him these days. But I did like the grittiness of it all. Look, I agree. I I like where this film is set. I like that we're not trying to deal with Terminators in a, in a current day and age. It did give me a little laugh that this was set in 2018, yeah. which we've obviously, obviously passed, and just how post-apocalyptic the world has got, obviously, with the um, the rise of the machines. I, and I think this is the challenge with this movie, right? Like, 
it's actually quite hard to sort of pinpoint the one or two things that this movie needs to change, but it's almost like the, if the acting lifted a little bit, the animation or the digital effects lifted a little bit, the story was maybe tightened up just a little bit. Was there maybe too many sort of stories and characters going on? Like, it, like it's as I say, like it's almost all there as a perfect kind of cocktail, but it's just not quite enough to to be the masterpiece. Yeah. But I, in saying that, I, I had a great time, and I actually think this is a, a Terminator movie that you could just jump in and watch with little to no context. That's right, and I think that's that's exactly. I think you've articulated it better than me. That's what I meant about it being a good choice for movie of the week. I, I don't think any of the others perhaps would have. Because you, you want to start at the start, or you or you want you know you want to watch the whole thing. So um, no, you're right. There was so much that did work. Um, the 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 look and the feel adds to that experience. It, it does feel apocalyptic, and that the sense of the the sound effects were real good. Some real bassy, very cool, very sci-fi noises. I felt I can't help but feel, given that um, Transformers, the original Transformers movie in, in 2007, had just come out two years before. And they'd obviously had a lot of success with that first movie. That that huge, massive Terminator that was sort of moving around felt very much off the back of that movie that it may have... And it, some of the noises sounded very transformy that they may have... Did they lean into that? I don't know. I don't really care, but I just thought it was an interesting point. And I think this is sort of, you know... I know that one of the the big criticisms of this movie overall is that like no lasers, like it's all you know fairly kind of like it's all like bullets, bullets. and machine guns and um and I think what's sometimes challenging with these movies is you take a movie like Terminator Two right and you've got um you've got a real advanced Terminator that's you know melting metal turning into shapes mm-hmm. and stuff and then when you sort of you you jump forward into this movie and the robots like even have um, teeth and they're quite you know very based on kind of a human design and it, there's so many flaws to that um, but at the same time then they've got like robots built into motorcycles and it kind of just like you can't probe too deep because the whole logic will just kind of fall apart in these movies yeah it'll completely unravel no you're absolutely right I um, I did think of a couple of scenes uh, both of which involving helicopters especially the first time he got in that helicopter and it took off and it I don't know how they filmed it because the special effects weren't that good. Well, they were good, but they weren't that good back then. It genuinely looks like Christian Bell is taking off in a helicopter and the camera stays right with him from going from the ground into the air and then all of a sudden it crashes. And I remember being in the cinema at the time because it's right near the start of the movie and thinking, oh, this is amazing. And it probably was the best scene in the movie and it never it never went back to that standard. There was a scene in the movie, Paul, that I'm hoping you might be able to bring some clarity um, to me for because this is the half measures podcast and I've done none of my own research. Makes sense. But when uh, Christian Bale, John Connor is, you know, he first discovers that um, Marcus Wright, played by Sam Worthington, is a is a machine. He's kind of been like, I've never seen one like this. Like I look dead in his eyes and he's, you know, like I've just never seen. Like bro, John Connor has seen all the versions of the Terminators. This this is the most basic version of a Terminator you can virtually see when it comes to being like. And I just didn't know like where that statement was coming from. I feel my interpretation of that is is that he he's he's seen you know the the Arnold Terminator in the first one and then the the Guardian one, the good one in the second, and of course the the liquid. He's seen them all, but the. He's never seen the intensity of emotion that came through because this this prototype Terminator, of course, was based around a human uh, with with um, the cyborg parts, whereas the other Terminators start with the the cyborg brain and the cyborg make, and then the the flesh is just the outer piece. Whereas this one brought with it um sam worthington marcus's character and heart and belief and he was genuinely upset and surprised to discover when he looked down that he didn't actually have a human body and that he was actually so i think that connor was my interpretation that was that connor just was like is this all a real big um you know it's just a bluff because if it is i've never seen anyone bluff as good as this that's a fantastic answer, and I will completely accept that. It did just also remind me of something that, you know, when he discovered, when Marcus discovers that he's a Terminator, and he's like, ah! Like, it's almost like, it's like, are you feeling pain? Are you frustrated? Like, it was, it was a, it, 
I think this is, this is a fun movie. It's, it's worth a watch. It's worth a watch to anyone in our Discord community who's waiting to find out what the verdict is. That is officially the verdict. It is worth a watch. Oh, actually, let me just add a little bit there. It's worth a rewatch, right? Like, because yeah. I think even if you had not had this as movie of the week, you talking about it would have been enough to inspire me to come back and watch it because I, I think of anything with Christian Bale and it is as gold and it would have made me want to watch this movie. And I, you know, to be honest, I had a fun time watching it. So I'd give this two and a half guns. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. I think that's a fair assessment. And um, if you're in New Zealand, you can watch Terminator Salvation on Neon. All right. Shall I take us on over to the uh, news desk? What are the headlines, please? All right, I'm, I've got quite a few things, so I'm just going to run through them pretty quickly, just some sort of key takeouts for you. So you'll be pleased to know um, Fast and the Furious 9 just recently came out in cinemas. Um, there is going to be a director's cut next year with an extra seven minutes of footage, so I hope you're going to watch that vision, Paul. It's all very important, I imagine. This is the one with cars in space, right? Correct. Good, Correct. good, good. Um. Hasbro has revealed that they are releasing a limited edition Nerf gun uh, based on the Aliens M41A Pulse Blaster to celebrate Aliens' 35th anniversary, and it looks freaking epic. Amazing. I I wonder if I can convince my son into wanting one. <laughs> you definitely can. You definitely. In fact, Nerf's done a really great range of uh, of these sorts of guns. Like they've they've got the Mandalorian gun. They've mm. got the guns from Halo. Um, now they've got the Aliens gun. Like there's there's probably quite a, a good little collector's range in here. Very true. Uh, Atlanta season three has finally um, wrapped filming. So it's been almost three years uh, since we had season two. Um, but the great news about this is they've wrapped season three and they've already started production on season four. So if you're a fan of the Atlanta TV show, um, good things are coming your way. That is a, a great TV show to watch. Uh, Cruella season two has officially been confirmed. So you would expect another movie in that uh, genre. Uh, what have we got here? The Alien TV series, which is currently being worked on, is going to be grounded in the, the cinematic universe with Ridley Scott very much involved in the production. Very exciting for mm. those Alien fans. Mm -hmm. uh, Danny DeVito is writing a Penguin comic to celebrate the villain's 80th anniversary. That's amazing. That is amazing. What We Do in the Shadows has been renewed for Season 4, another fantastic show and a, a top recommendation from me. Uh, two other final little bits here. So uh, American Horror Stories gets a Season 2 order from FX, which is good. I like me some American Horror Story. Uh, and finally, uh, Shang-Chi will um, still only debut in theatres despite the various uh, COVID surges happening around the globe. So I think this is uh, – they're really sticking to their guns with this one. They really want to go big. They want to they get those box office earnings and all power to them. So uh, Shang-Chi uh, and the Ten Rings coming to a theatre near you very soon. Awesome. And that's me, Paul. What about you? Yeah, there's a couple of things in there that you mentioned that I'd already picked up on. The other one I had was Star Wars released this week, the trailer for an original series called Visions, um, which uh, features seven visionary Japanese anime studios. Uh, and I'll tell you what, Dan, I'll admit, I haven't watched a lot of anime in my time. Anime, anime. I don't even know how to pronounce the word. That's how much I, I don't watch it. Um <laughs> But I tell you what, I was really impressed by the look and feel of this trailer, so I'm I'm quite excited about that. Uh, also excited, Modern Love Season 2 has now dropped on Amazon Prime. Season 1 was amazing. Uh, Sabine Wren, character from Rebels, uh, is going to be getting a live action. Uh, she's, coming to, she's coming to life, just like Ahsoka. Um, we're going to get Sabine. So that's, as a Star Wars nerd, uh, anyone who's in on that is going to love it. Uh, yeah, what we do in the shadows you've already mentioned. I think that was... Oh, oh no, I've got something for you, Dan. Well, maybe you've already said this in a previous podcast and I've forgotten and I'm going to make it full of myself. But Fast and the Furious 10 is coming out. It's all confirmed. April 2023. 
the 10th installment of the Fast and the Furious franchise is coming your way and probably mine. It makes sense. You've got to, uh, you've got to do it for the family. <laughs> it is all about family. Uh, and that's all I've got. So let's head over to the, the mailbag. Um, this week's Half Measures mailbag is brought to you in association with our friends over at Time Travelling Team Podcast, uh, the weekly Doctor Who podcast. And I have been listening to this a lot, Dan. I'm really excited. They are at a milestone now uh, because they are now so far into Doctor Who, they're about to start their review of The Third Doctor, one of my favourites. And the shows are going to now be in colour. So I feel like a lot of the stories they're talking about over there are now actually going to be way more familiar to a lot of people with John Pertwee, uh, a.k.a. Wizzle Gummidge, coming to the the helm in the TARDIS. So that's, that's pretty exciting. Now, after last week's Bonanza mailbag, uh, it was a quieter week, Dan, but we do have a couple of things. Uh, firstly, Dominic Burgess, who I know best, I think, probably from, from Star Trek Picard. Many people will know him as Henry from The Good Place. Uh, he tweeted us a high five um, for our review last week of Dr. Death, where he starred uh, opposite uh, Joshua Jackson, who played his best friend in that movie, or at least he was his best friend until he operated on him. Um, so cheers for that, Dominic. Uh, and Last week's peak performance, uh, Alec Baldwin, we had three nominations this week. We had Norman from Roddenberry.com said that he preferred Alec Baldwin to Harrison Ford as Jack Ryan, but he feels that uh, Alec Baldwin's best role is as Blake in the Glen Gary, Glen Ross movie, which has one of the all-time best casts of ever. Uh, Ash from Palmerston North, he went with The Hunt for Red October. And Paddy, from Time Traveling Team Podcast, he was back in familiar territory, so he gave us a 3-2-1 of Mercury Rising, The Departed, and number one for him was also The Hunt for the Red October. And that's our mailbag then. Very, very good. All right, shall we move on to our peak performances? Indeed. So every week, Dan and I take it in turns to choose someone to focus in on, whether it's an actor, actress, director, or producer. And we try to find what we think is their peak performance. And uh, Dan, this week you went with Christian Slater. What have you got for me? Well, he was um, he was inspired actually by your, oh, yes. your watch of Dr. Death. That's right. And I thought, you know what, let's get Christian Slater up on the board and see what he's got. So for me, um, my runner-up choice for him is going to be uh, for Christian Slater's role as uh, Arkansas Dave Rudenbach in Young Guns 2. So Young Guns 2 is probably one of those movies that, you know, so it came out in the 90s, had a killer Bon Jovi soundtrack, and it was one of those um, modern westerns that got me into the western genre. And I still can't hear Blaze of Glory without thinking about this movie and thinking about the stellar cast. And probably in a slightly unfair way to Christian Slater, this has got so many, like it's got Lou Diamond Phillips, Emilio Estevez, Keith Sutherland, Alan Ruck. Like it's such a, a fantastic cast and such a, a great cowboy movie. I would actually love to do a bit of a, a rewatch off this one at some point, but I would have to go Young Guns 1 and Young Guns 2 because then the rules. But my number one um, choice for Christian Slater and a, a real favorite movie of mine actually is True Romance. So this is basically uh, about a, a lonely pop culture geek who marries a cool girl, steals cocaine from her pimp and tries to sell it in Hollywood. And it just is a, it's a real Tarantino vibe movie. It's got, again, a really great cast. Patricia Arquette, uh, Dennis Hopper, Val Kilmer, Brad Pitt, Gary Oldman, Christopher Walken, like the list goes on. And this is this is one of those those movies that I always think of as a Tarantino movie because he was a writer. But Christian Slater's character has stuck with me for years. And it's one of those those movies I remember watching a lot as a as a teenager and re- really, really enjoying it. And Christian Slater had a really standout role in this film. Great, great choices, Dan. I Look, first of all, I have to out myself and say I'm a fool because when you start talking about Young Guns, I'm like, really? I don't know about that. I didn't really enjoy it, that comedy with uh, Charlie Sheen. And I'm thinking of Hot Shots. And my entire life, I've never watched 
Young Guns because I just thought it was Seven Charlie Sheen comedy and now I'm seeing Young Guns 1, Young Guns 2 and it's an actual proper how can I have not ever known this? I feel like a fool. I don't know why I'm admitting it out loud. Look at that cast. Amazing. Half measure. And you, you, if you love a Western Paul, you know, I get amongst. I feel like both of them I'm going to have to get to because, you know, I'm now the better part of 30 years <laughs> overdue on those. So um, I'm pretty sure, just for your information as well, that they are on Star on Disney Plus if you're interested. Brilliant. I can see that happening. I really can. Um, so, yeah, so Christian Slater. Honourable mention for me will be 1991's The Undiscovered Country. Now, I am not just saying that uh, because I'm all sentimental about Star Trek this week, because I know he's had way more substantial roles, but hey, it's an honourable mention. And I just love what I love about him in this role is that he is a self-confessed lifelong Star Trek fan, like a mega fan, even in Doctor Death, right? He somehow has his character have a line about a Vulcan mind meld. I don't know how he gets away with it. Um, and with this movie, his mum was the casting director for the Undiscovered Country. And he basically said, can you get me a part? And then, you know, when he got into the, onto the set, he got into uniform and he saw that the trousers that he'd got were William Shatner's from the Wrath of Khan. And so he wore them. And then he, after the movie was finished, he stole the trousers and the whole uniform and he still has it at home. Um, so I just love that. That's exactly what I would do if I ever got the chance. So that is why I feel like he really deserved that honorable mention. Um, but Dan, I am in absolute agreement with you for Pete performance. 93's true romance. It, everything you said, it is a landmark christian slater performance he rocks it he has that great script from quentin tarantino and that's of course you know before he's even done pulp fiction so this is an early tarantino script and i just think he played well, you know the instant he's killed that guy from there on and goes forward it, the way he portrays that character is so on point i thought he was real good he's so good opposite uh patricia Arquette. um he has some great scenes the dialogue with christopher walken and it's, I mean, just the movie as a whole, forget about the people performance, just the movie as a whole, it's just so good. It's just such a, you know, Val Kilmer, Gary Oldman. It's, there's, there's so much in here. There's so much to love. It's, it's probably the one he'll always be remembered for. And I guess look, there's a very good reason for that. It's quintessential Christian Slater. And that's my peak performance. Great stuff, Paul. I love it when we're in sync on a, on our peak performance. Mm. It's good. So I guess that's us for another week of Half Measures, uh, Dan. So just a reminder to everyone, if you want to get in touch with us, you can do so at halfmeasurespodcast.com or on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram at halfmeasurespod. And this episode is brought to you by our Patreon producers. If you would like to become a patron of the show, then you can find those details in the show notes below. But a special thanks to Samara King, Trisha Brady, Diana Kanawa, and Linda Tavner. Thank you so much for your support. It means the world to us. But until next week, everyone, adios.